uh, we're going to kind of do a worksheet. And I want to provide you some practical examples of what that looks like in real life. So uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 22. We're going to be very practical this morning. And I hope it'll be helpful to you in your own life. Uh, verse 22 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. This is the word of the Lord. So I read a, a, a story a while back, and I guess now's a good time of year to tell it because we're all listening to the old singers, you know, on Christmas music. You know, we're listening to uh, Dean Martin and Perry Coma and all those. And I, I read a story a while back about Frank Sinatra. As he got toward the end of his life, uh, even though obviously he had made a bunch of money with his uh, acting and singing career down through the years, he became obsessed with the idea that he wasn't leaving enough money to his kids. And so he continued to perform um, up toward the end of his life, he, he, was really not, he was really not able to sing the way he did before. He sometimes would forget words, um, and the audience would kind of have to sing, filling in those words as he went on. But as his daughter was talking, he, she was like, Dad, you need to quit, you need to quit. And, and he was obsessed with it. He said, no, I've got to keep going, I've got to keep going. I've got to make sure everybody's taken care of. I have to make sure everybody's taken care of. And when we think about that, when we think about our obligations as fathers and mothers to make sure that our kids are taken care of. When we think about our obligations as grandparents to make sure you know, everybody in the family kind of has what they need, th there's, a lot of, there's a lot of stress and there's a lot of worry that comes with that. As you look, we just talked last week, as you look at 25 and 26, it says, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life since you cannot do this very little thing why do you worry about the rest? Last week's sermon, we spent the whole time talking about how ineffective worry is and how we get obsessed with worry and, and, we, and we do it because it just comes naturally to us and we worry all the time about that. But how Jesus says here, it, you're, not, you're not accomplishing anything with it. Worry is incredibly ineffective. And to use the analogy of like trying to drive a nail with a sponge, you're doing something, but you're not actually accomplishing anything because it's not making anything happen. And in the same way, when we worry, it feels like we're doing something, but we're not actually accomplishing anything. That was kind of the negative side of it. Okay, don't do this, Jesus is saying. You're, don't worry. But we didn't, we've kind of alluded to, but we haven't gone in great detail about the positive side of it. Okay, if I'm not going to worry, then when it comes to financial things, what am I supposed to do? And that's exactly what we're going to talk about 
this morning. If you have your sermon outline, let's start with the main point, and then we're going to unpack how to do it. God's offer concerning your money worries, you can delegate them. You can delegate them. So what Jesus is offering here is that when we think about the money worries that we have, again, going back to last week, he says it's ineffective for us to become obsessed with it and to, and to just think about it all the time and be consumed with it. That doesn't really accomplish anything. And then at the end of the passage, he gives us something we can do instead of that that is A, far more effective, and B, is an incredible offer that we should grab up because it's so much better than what we're doing. Look at 30 and 31. It says at the end of this passage where, and again, let's be very specific. The whole passage is not about like worry in general. It's about financial worry, right? As you go back and look up at 22, therefore I tell you, do not worry about this life, what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. Um, he's talking about the practical reality that we have to have something to eat and we have to have clothes to wear and we have to have a car to drive. We have to have all those things. How am I going to be able to take care of all those things when I'm worried about the reality of, of all the uncertainties of life? So we're talking about financial things. And as you get to 30, Jesus says, for the pagan world, and there he's just talking about everything outside the kingdom of God. The world um, outside the kingdom of God is running after all these things. The, 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 and today you could say, everybody pursuing the American dream. You know, America in general, we're running after these financial things because money is the God of America. For the pagan world runs after all such things. And here's a really comforting truth. And your Father knows that you need them. We're not talking here about, um, you know, getting a $3 million house and a new Mercedes Benz. We're talking about our needs. So this is not a prosperity gospel sermon where if you pray, Jesus is going to come in, He's going to make you a millionaire, He's going to give you all that stuff. We're talking about the reality of Jesus saying, when it comes to our financial needs, I am willing to take care of those for you. Look, he says, our Father knows that we have financial needs. He knows I need something to eat today. He knows I need clothes on my back. He knows I need a place to stay. Here's 31. But seek His kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Now we're going to unpack the first part of that in a minute, but it's the second part I want to just dwell on for a second. And these things will be given to you as well. Jesus is offering here, and don't, like, you need to pay attention to this, because this is an amazing offer. Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you a path here, and we're going to talk about the path. I'm going to give you a path here where if, you will, if you'll do that, you can delegate your money worries to your Heavenly Father. You don't have to be consumed about all those little things, and how's this going to work out, and how's that going to work out? You can delegate your money worries to your Heavenly Father, and let Him take care of that. These things will be given to you as well. And so this morning, instead of the worry we were talking about last week, he's offering that we can delegate these. How do we do that? And then does this actually work? Let's talk about how we do that. I'm going to divide it up into five things um, for simplicity's sake. And so how do we actually delegate our money worries? Number one is this, focus your heart on, passionate fo on passionately following Jesus' teaching. Focus your heart on passionately following Jesus' teaching. Now, so the first thing we need to say is this is not an unconditional promise. Jesus didn't say here, listen, you know, if you just say, God, take care of my worries, he'll do it for everybody. There's a first half to verse 31. 
it says, but seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. There's a condition on the second half, which is the first half. And that is if I want to be able to delegate my money worries, if I want to just say my heavenly father is going to take care of those things, my job is to seek the kingdom of God. And what's that mean? In simplest terms, it means I'm going to take what Jesus said seriously. When we talk about the kingdom of God, we can define it in a number of ways. Let's just say I'm going to take everything that Jesus said seriously, and I want to follow Jesus. I want to actually do what he said. I'm not just going to say, well, I'm a Christian, but I'm going to go do my own thing. But I am going to follow the teaching of Jesus Christ. And so if I make that a priority, I'm not saying you have to be perfect in it. I'm not saying you can never make a mistake. But if it is, you know, you either are or you aren't. Is it the desire of your life more than anything else to follow Jesus Christ? It, it's, it's that simple. If it is, then everything we're going to talk about applies. If the reality is, you know, Jim, to be honest, the God of my life is I, the career I'm pursuing. Like, that's what's getting all my attention and all my focus. Then this, everything else I'm going to say does not apply to you. If the God this morning is your golf game or your boat or shopping, and you say, that's the thing I love the most, that's what I'm pursuing the most, nothing I'm saying the rest of the morning applies to you. You can check out the rest of this sermon because I've got nothing for you. It all starts with 31, but seek his kingdom. And so if you desire this morning to follow Jesus, then everything else here is going to apply to you, and Jesus is offering that you can delegate your money worries. But the condition is we have to be willing to follow Jesus, and that has to be the priority of our lives. And so if we do that, if we're willing to follow Jesus, well, let me make one other statement on that. Number two is this. This includes Jesus teaching on money. This includes Jesus teaching on money. Let me pause for a second and make this comment. So there are a lot of us that will say, oh, I'm going to follow Jesus like I'm going to show up for church on Sunday. But then we get down into the weeds a little bit, and when it comes to Jesus' teaching on how we spend our time or how we use our gifts or how we spend our money, and this is a big one, then we're like, I don't know about all that. I'm not going to follow that. Um, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Jesus is smart. And when we follow his teaching, it's going to make our life better. It's going to lead us in a good direction. And so when Jesus, and there's a bunch of things in there in the Word of God that Jesus told us about how to handle money, how to be wary of, of loving money too much, all those things. When we take all that together, we, we need to recognize that Jesus wants us to follow him with regard to our money as well as the rest of our lives. And so we're going to pursue what Jesus has called us to in, in giving in the kingdom of God, in trying to prioritize uh, showing mercy around us with the way that we spend our money and all those things. We need to recognize that Jesus includes our wallet in how we are to follow him. There's an old um, cartoon uh, of somebody being baptized and you know the, the pastor has them down under the water and as he has them down under the water, their hand is sticking up with their wallet up above the water. They're baptizing him but not baptizing his wallet. And that's the way a lot of us kind of live. We're like, you know, I'll come to church on Sunday but don't expect me to give to the kingdom of God. Or I'll come to church on Sunday, but don't expect me to go and, and, and you know, buy a meal for somebody or, or show financially some, some concern for somebody else. Listen, when I signed on with Jesus, he gets my whole life. When you signed on with Jesus, he gets your whole life. That includes your time, your talents, and your treasure. And so we sign on for him. We need to recognize that we're supposed to obey him in everything that we do. That leads us to the third thing. And that's it. 
When you have money worries, hand them to God in prayer. When you have money worries, hand them to God in prayer. So, as I reach this situation, I'm following Jesus, I'm trying to do what He said, I'm obeying the teaching of Christ as well as I can, then I come to a situation where I have a money problem. There's, There's some situation where everything is not the way it needs to be. What do I do? You pray. You go to your Heavenly Father, and let me just kind of say a prayer I think is in the ballpark. You go to your Heavenly Father, let's say you're, you're concerned about, like, you really need your income, and now they're talking about layoffs at work, and you're scared. Like, there, there's fear in your heart about, I might get laid off, and that starts to raise all these worries about, how am I going to provide for my family? How am I going to make sure Christmas gets bought and all that if I get laid off? You go to your Heavenly Father, and you pray, and you say, Heavenly Father, you promised in Luke, Jesus promised in Luke chapter 12 and verse 31 that if I was seeking the kingdom of God that you would take care of my financial needs. And Father, I know I'm not perfect, but you know I love Jesus more than anything else in my life. And you know I'm trying to follow him. And Father, in this moment, I believe that, you, that Jesus meant what he said. I believe that Jesus meant what he said. And so I'm bowing before you now and I'm going to ask you to, I don't know how it is, it may be I get laid off and you give me a new job. It may be that I don't get laid off. It may be you provide miraculously. But that verse said that you will take care of my financial needs. And so in this moment, I am delegating my worry to you and I'm trusting that you're going to take care of me. So we pray to God and we hand it to Him. And we claim the promise that we've been given. I didn't write that verse. Jesus did. Jesus is the one who spoke it and Luke wrote it down. I would not be bold enough to have made that promise. But Jesus made the promise. So you know what? If he made the promise, I think we should claim it. Amen? And so if we're going to claim this promise, we're not going to God saying, listen, I know you didn't promise this. I know I'm just making this up, but we do this. We're going to him and saying, listen, Jesus said this, and I believe this is a matter at the end of the day when you're coming to God of believing that God is good to keep his promises. I believe that God is good to keep his promises. And so when you go to him, it's not a matter of God going, oh, I can't believe he's bothering me with this. But when you go to him, it's a matter of him going, hey, this guy has faith in me. Jesus is going to happen, and he believes I'm actually going to do it. That makes God eager to answer. And so we don't have to go to him with the thought of, oh, he's not going to want to hear from me. We are taking God at His Word, and He's going to be eager to hear that prayer. Now, let's go to a problem that we have after we do that, and that's number four, is repeat the prayer when the worry recurs. Repeat the prayer when the worry recurs. So, there are very few of us that can go and pray one time and give it to God and be like, all right, we're good, I did it, God's going to take care of it, I have peace, and walk away. The majority of the time, what will happen? Well, an hour later, we'll be stewing on it again, won't we? So what do you do? You go back and you pray the same prayer again. God, I'm sorry. I, it, it's my human side, and I don't mean to be this way. God, I still believe you're going to take care of this. I'm giving it to you again. Listen, if you've got to go back every hour on the hour and give it back to God, just keep giving it back to Him. Because we're used to that worry. We've been living our whole lives with the worry. We have to start these habits of beginning to give it over to God and trusting that He will take care of it. And, and that takes a little bit of time. So if the worry recurs, pray it again. If the worry recurs, pray it again. 
Keep showing God your faith. Now, it would be great if we prayed and we didn't worry about it again, but God knows who we really are. If we keep coming back to Him again and again, He's not going to be annoyed by that. He's going to say, I'm thankful that even though my, my child is struggling with this, he or she is continuing to trust me. They're continuing to bring it back to me. They know where they need to bring it, and I'm going to help them along this path. So continue to bring that back to God. Now, the way this, lo lo the way this works as we do this long-term, and then I want to give some examples, is number five. The way this works long-term is this. Watch your overall money anxiety decrease as you see them show up time and again. Watch your overall money anxiety decrease as you see them show up time and again. So the long-term result of, of living this way and doing this is see God answer. You know, you pray that prayer and God answers. And so next time you've got a little more faith and trust as He answered last time. So you bring another. A year later, you bring another money worry for Him. He shows up again. He shows up again. He shows up again. As you've been doing this over a period of time, it's going to be the most difficult at the beginning. As you continue to do this over a period of time, the trust is going to build up that, hey, God showed up for me. God was there for me. And so as you pray and believe that he is going to show up, then over time, it's going to get easier to put that worry down. It's going to be easier to have that peace come up because we've seen God show up time and again. All right, now, there are some of you that are sitting there going, Jim, that, that was, you know, lovely, lovely. But let's talk real life. I mean, it's lovely to say I'm, I'm worried about losing my job or oh, I'm going to pay, you know, I'm praying about it. But like, you know, it's not like this thing works in real life. All right. So at the bottom is a worksheet. I got four numbers I want you to write down. So these are four, I'm going to briefly tell you four stories from my life and Karen's life. You, you know me, I'm not up here making up stories. I can corroborate all these stories. I'm not lying to you. I'm going to tell you four stories, and then at the end I want you to think about whether or not God can be trusted or not. Some Two of these stories you kind of already know, uh, so we'll be shorter with them. And then the other two stories I'll take a, a second with. So a few weeks ago, story number one. A few weeks ago I told you the story of a time when I had, I had made... Uh, a mistake with my taxes and I, re I realized afterwards I made a mistake with my taxes and the CPA said it was going to be $11,000. I didn't know how I was going to pay it. And so I prayed and I said, God, listen, I want to do the right thing so you'll honor me with my finances. I don't know how I'm going to pay this $11,000. Uh, I'm willing to make payments for as long as it takes, but if you have an answer, I appreciate if you'd answer. And remember I told you that was the Tuesday after Christmas or Tuesday after Thanksgiving that year, the Friday after, th the Monday after Thanksgiving. The, the Friday after Thanksgiving, somebody handed me a check that I was named in an insurance policy that covered the entire $11,000. Four days before I owed the money, someone handed me a check to cover $11,000. Now, either I'm super lucky or what Jesus said works. So the first number is 11000 11000 Second number is this. I'm not going to tell this story because everybody in this room knows the story. You guys know that there was a time years ago where Karen and I uh, loved our three boys, and, but we, we thought it'd be great if we had a chance to adopt. We didn't tell anybody that we wanted to adopt. International adoption was the, the path we felt like we would want to pursue. We told no one, not even our parents, and God opened up a door for someone to come to us and say, 
God has led me to pay for the adoption that, that no one knew we wanted to do. The total amount of that was $21,000. The adoption, all the paperwork, all the traveling, it all added up to $21,000. And the person that God put on their heart to come and ask us if we wanted to adopt when we already wanted to, and we hadn't told anybody, that person paid every penny of the $21,000. That second story, either I'm the luckiest person in the world or what Jesus said works. So we have 11,000, we have 21,000. Two more stories to go. So the third story is this. When I was in seminary and I was broke as broke. Like I, and so this is a smaller amount, but I went to the, the, the church, the seminary I was in was a Southern Baptist seminary in Louisville. And of course, I'm an American Baptist pastor. And so when I first got there, they had, a, they had two ranks. There was for, the, for um, tuition. One was if you were a Baptist, you paid a lower amount. And then if you were not a Baptist, you paid a slightly higher amount. While I was there, the last year they changed it to where if you were a Southern Baptist, you paid the lower amount. And if you were not a Southern Baptist, you paid a higher amount. That was going to be a $2,000 difference for me. Now, I know right now you're like, $2,000, that's not that much money. That was a lot of money for a broke seminary student back in the mid-90s. And so I prayed to God. I'm like, God, I don't have, have $2,000, you know? And I, I would really prefer to graduate without debt. And so, God, I'm asking you to take care of this. So it just so happened that that semester I was coming into, I had to do one of my classes. I had to go and be mentored by a, a pastor, and they assigned me a guy to downtown uh, Louisville Church. Um, and while I was there, he said, um, he said, you know, while you're down here, uh, since you're going to be doing stuff here, do you want to become a member of the church? And I said, well, I don't really want to become a member. He said, why don't you just become a watch care member, which is like you don't transfer your membership, but you're, you're a part of that church. And so I said, I said well, that's a good idea. I'll do that. Hey, guess what? Having that class at that moment, and that pastor, you know, if I want to be a watch care member, doing that took care of the $2,000 difference. Because now I was considered for their purposes to be, while I was serving in that church, I was considered to be a Southern Baptist by the way they ranked it. And so that $2,000 went away. So there's your third number, $2,000. So we got $11,000, $21,000, $2,000. Listen, this all comes back. I'm telling you, God knows what he's doing. Last story. In 2008, when we, we, we felt God calling us to do a church plant, and so I'm going, we're going to do a church plant. Like, we're starting with no money and no people. We got nothing. But we're trusting that God's going to provide for us. And so we've been living in a parsonage, but as we, we, you know, we resigned to Poca Baptist because God was calling us to do this church plant. So I'm looking around. I know, like, money's going to be tight with this church plant. And I've got, I know what the budget is. I know what I can afford in a house. And I also know with the kids, I need four bedrooms. And so I'm looking around that area, it's Putnam County, and all, all the houses, every house I looked at, the cheapest one I could find was $40,000 higher than what my budget was. $40,000 higher than what my budget was. And so I prayed, I'm like, God, I know you're calling us to do this church plant, and I believe that what you said in your word is going to apply. And so God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but God, I, I, I need, we need a place to stay. I need you to open up a door here. And literally, a house that was within four minutes walking distance of 
where the old parsonage was. It was a subdivision. It was going to allow our kids, even though the church was going to be in Hurricane, it would allow our kids to stay in the same school. Nice little, nice little cul-de-sac um, area. And that, when we went and negotiated, the house was exactly what I needed for my budget. Great little house, nothing extravagant, four bedrooms, um, a, a separate garage where the boys went out in the winter and hit golf balls into a mat all the time, you know. Um, $40,000 cheaper than literally every single house I had looked at up to that point. So your fourth number is $40,000. So, so there are some of you here this morning that as I'm reading this, but seek his kingdom and these things will be, will be given to you as well. And you're like, that sounds pretty, but it's not true. Here's the deal. 11,000, 21,000, 2,000, and 40,000. If my math is right, that is $74,000. Now, I'm not saying that God gave me $74,000 and I have it in the bank. Like, it was God providing what we needed. It's not like I've got a million dollars in the bank. It doesn't say he's going to provide all my wants, but it does say he'll provide my needs. And so when I needed something to take care of that debt, when I needed something, somebody to open up so that we could pursue the adoption, when I needed that to take care of that seminary, and when I needed that with regard to a house, God provides. God provides. And so what I'm telling you this morning is, if you will, to go back to what we said earlier, if you put him first and delegate your money worries, what we read in verses 30 and 31, for the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them, but seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. There are only two options this morning, and they are this. Either number one, Jesus meant it. There is a God in heaven. He will answer that prayer, and I just gave you 74,000 reasons to believe that. Or number two, I am the luckiest human being that has ever existed in the history of the world. Those are the only two things. Because who else has gets a, a check for $11,000, check to pay $11,000 debt four days before it's due, and has somebody come to them when they wanted to adopt and offer to pay $21,000 and have it at the exactly right time, you know, that $2,000 thing show up, and then have the house that's $40,000 under everything else? Who has that happen? Nobody except somebody who is trusting Jesus Christ. And so I wanted to be very practical this morning. You don't have to be worried all the time about your money concerns. Jesus is saying, delegate them. And if you don't believe me, believe the 74,000 reasons I gave you this morning to trust in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I love telling these stories this morning because each one tells us that you are faithful. Each one tells us that you keep your promises. Each one tells us that you can be trusted. And I pray this morning, Father, for those that are here that aren't trusting you the way that they should that this message would give incredible encouragement that you mean what you say
and that you are a good God and that you are ready to be that Father to us. Thank you for being so good. I pray in Jesus' name.